Uh, what is up, guys, and welcome to the Meeple Minded Podcast, the podcast where we talk all things tabletop gaming. My name is Jason. And I'm James. He's back. He's back. He's back. How are you, James? Better. Better? Yeah. Better. Well, come on, pray tell what happened last week. I, I, I might have twisted my back at work. Well, that, things, was, that, things, was, that was a bit stupid, wasn't it? It was. It's not like <laughs> I did it intentionally. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I'm starting to think that you might have done, James. I don't know why. Were you going to go on to one of those, you know, things that there was always advertising on the TV, you know, have I had an accident at work? <laughs> you better claim. Oh, if was, I wanted was... to do that, I'd just slam my fingers in the shutter. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that would work as well. Yeah. <laughs> How t- did you manage to do it, James? I, oh, I I just picking a box up and, you know... Despite the fact that, you know, they drill into you manual handling. I was in a rush and I didn't. I twisted at the hips and not at the feet. Bend your knees, not your back, James. I wasn't. That was the, the actual turning motion. And sort of, oh, I, I went you. to pick something out the side of the van and put it on a pile. And instead of moving my feet, I twisted at the hips like you're oh. not supposed to do because I was rushing. <laughs> I went, <laughs> ow. so what you're saying james is you are now the poster boy for i'm an idiot at work yes get me out of here (laughs) yes that 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 course you you get given on manual handling yeah i I, i'm the person in the do not do this picture (laughs) so when i I always used to think when i used to watch videos like that and you see people doing this it's like what idiot what utter moron would do that (laughs) hello And now we know. So <laughs> what we can actually say, James, is they, they don't represent you well in those videos because the, the person never looks like you. Yes. So clearly you're the only person in history this has ever happened to. No, I mean, I want to put in a disclaimer against those videos because what usually happens is they do it and then they go, and, you know, they've got one hand on the back and that's it, rather than the the, the really loud crack and the lots of swearing that happens. <laughs> I guess they're trying to be a bit family-friendly at work, wouldn't you think? <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> but they, they, they Not might. an accurate representation of someone hurting themselves at work at all. <laughs> I feel lied to. Yes, indeed. Did you get some time off work, though, to, to heal and rest properly? No. Oh. Did, or they forced you to work? No. I, I went to work the next day. It's just that, that evening when I got home, it was just sort of, I'm going to lie down and not move. <laughs> Hot bath, uh, all that, all that jazz, you know. Home remedies, home remedies. Bit of deep heat, bit of de- oh, mate, you must have stunk. <laughs> deep heat's horrible. Oh, it is horrible, but it does work wonders when you do something like that. I wonder. I, I see. I don't know. Do the Americans have deep heat? Do they even know what deep heat is? Yes. Oh. Liquid fire or gel <laughs> fire that you rub on your skin and it burns like hell. Uh, but it does work. It does. It does work. Because I think I basically pulled a muscle. It's what it is. It's something you put on when you pulled a muscle. And it help, I think it helps relax said muscle. Yeah. Although there is the, the opposite one now, isn't there? There's like deep cool or something like that. Yes, but... because I think they realise that burning is not a sensation you want to add <laughs> to, to a pulled muscle. <laughs> but, so, yeah, you either get freezing cold or boiling hot. There's no, there's no middle ground because the middle ground doesn't do anything. No. So there you go. Well, it's good to have you back, James. Anthony did a stonkingly good job. Excellent. Despite the fact that he was going to be here. He was anyway. going to be here anyway. <laughs> but yes, he, uh, he he filled in nicely. He he did all of your your lines, you know, where I ask you how you are. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so he did that for you. Uh, 
he he really tried to fill the boots, uh, and he did well. He did well, but he's obviously not here, so I haven't replaced you yet. Don't worry. Um, the, the, the shackles are still on. I'm afraid. Uh, <laughs> I'll have you know this is a unionised workplace, and you won't be replacing me that easy, Sunshine. <laughs> Oh, why did I leave that in the contract? Uh, honestly, it takes one day off sick and he's wanting to replace me. <laughs> well, I mean, that's how businesses survive, is it not? <laughs> not in this country, mate. It was true. Very true indeed. But anyway, I have seen you since since last week, obviously. I see you pretty much every day because I'm a sad, moronic person and I don't have anything better to do. Yes. And as such, we've played some games. We have played some games. Uh, we had a game night last night. We did. Um, now it was nothing new to us last night, really, was it? We'd no. we've we played both of these games previously, uh, but it was nice to get them to the table again. We met up with Mister Antman. He got to try the Living Forest game with the Kadama expansion for the first time. Yes. Um, now I know I have some feelings on how different it felt compared to the last time we played that game, James. What were your feelings on it? Uh, it was a very interesting game, just playing it. I can't remember, actually. How many players was it last time we played? It was three players last time, but what had happened, it turned out had happened, was in my excitement of opening the expansion, I took all the cards out and I put them all in the de- in the relevant decks and stuff. And stuff. I paid not much attention to the rulebook, which uh, is actually pretty good and pretty explicit. Of how many cards you should have. Yep. Uh, and what it actually tra- looks like transpires is I was given two decks of exactly the same stuff in that expansion. Yeah, so they duplicated your cards, They basically. duplicated it, and I'd put all of them in. So in our last game, we were seeing loads of new stuff. Mm. Whereas this time, I found it was not quite as in-your-face. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd sort of gone into the game thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and hit the expansion hard this time. But I couldn't. Because mm. those cards weren't readily available. I found it a darn sight harder to get the Kadama symbols out. Yep. And thus get the Kadama benefits. What about you? Yep, definitely. I think it also speaks to the fact that it also came down to a three-way tie. It did. It really did. Like, genuinely, in the last round, I I, tri- I think it was me that triggered the end of the game. Yep. No, um, technically I triggered the end of the game. You did. I, I went first. I, I, I helped you trigger the end of the game by making a catastrophic mistake yes um in in the basically in the previous round yeah i bought so many cards thinking it's all right i'm the first player in the next round i'll get to put them all out i know i'm going to be able to get my lotus flower victory condition and ideally with my plan i was going to get the the fire one as well yeah at the same time so two victory conditions in one hit <coughs> what i did wrong was misjudged the rounds and did all of that and made the fire burn whiter than, well, whiter than white. And James oh, was the first player. Yes. And put out all the fire. Yes. And triggered the end of the game. Yes. Uh, and also managed to secure the end of the, well, my victory condition by uh, using my second action to jump ant and yes. nick his fire token. So yeah. I had more than enough. Yes, exactly. Um, which we did figure that I could have been a bit snide. When yep. it got to me, because I had enough movement to jump That's you twice. exactly why I did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I didn't do that. I was actually quite generous, which is very unlike me. Mainly because I, I wanted that Lotus. If I'd done that, it would have stopped you lo- you winning or triggering the end of the game then. But then I wouldn't have been able to trigger the end of the game as well. So yes. it was like, no, I, I, I want to 
I'm going to match you, and then we're going to go to a tiebreaker. And then Ant went and did it as well. I was like, oh, wow, this is a three-way tie. Yep. This is awesome. It's the closest game I think we've ever had. But obviously the tiebreaker was add up all of the winning conditions that you have on your board, and then whoever has the most wins. Yep. And that was the point that I was like, yeah, I, I got loads. Because I was just about ready to win on fire, and I won on, on Lotus Flowers. Yeah, because it was me who pointed out to Ant that he could actually create a three-way tie, wasn't it? It's like, yes. hang on, you've done the tree action. You've got the tree on your board that allows you to do the same action twice. Yes. So you could buy a second tree, which, yeah. which took you to 12 trees. And then I was like, you've got enough movement to land on the buy tree on the movement track, yes. which <laughs> would allow you to get the 13th tree. You could... Tr- make it a three-way tie yeah that was it yeah he he ended up having i think he did one of his tree actions as 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 that after the movement where he'd stolen a tree as well yeah uh and yeah though he just it it was perfect Mm. it was a brilliant end to the game very suspenseful and i think i'm still very happy with the expansion yes however i i now realize it's it's a little bit more subtle than it was in our first game yeah um so lessons learned Read the rule book of said expansions to know what you're putting in and what you're not. Slap on the wrist for me. Uh, James, mm. what else did we play last night? Can you remember? Is it Champions? Uh, challenge. Challenges. Challenges. Challenges, yes. that's it. Um, a golfing game isn't a golf game. Yes. <laughs> yes. Me, me and Ant talked a little bit about this last week, but uh, you obviously weren't here for the joy of that. Mm. What are your thoughts on, on Challenges? It's a very, very enjoyable mm. little card game yeah it, again it's, it's very light it's yes a very very lightweight thing um so for yeah if you if you didn't listen to us last week it's i mean arguably it's a two-player game yes but you can play it three four five six seven i think it goes right up to eight like, stupid numbers um i think it's, i might even go up to 16 because i think you can get eight mats each one of them has two players but you basically you're building a deck, it's a deck builder, and then you reveal a card, it has a number on it, and your opponent has to reveal cards up to that number to take the, the flag from you. It's a capture of the flag. Once he matches or beats my my number, he wins the flag. My card gets discarded to a, a discard bench. I then do the same to him, you know, keep playing cards. And you keep going until one or both of you's bench is full, but then the next card that needs to go onto the bench, if it can't be played, you lose. Yep, or you run out of cards to play or that yeah or or yeah you force your opponent to run out of cards and and so on and so forth very very easy game we joke about this golf theme i'm not even sure why because they look like golf courses it, it looked like go it looked like golf courses didn't it uh, they've come with the nice neoprene mat uh, but yeah james is this a game that you think has legs is it something you want to play again i mean this is our second time playing it yeah um was there much replay but you didn't do very well in last night oh no i really did <laughs> Um, did you get any points? <laughs> one. I won one round. Wait, oh, that one... was against the uh, the AI, wasn't it? Yeah, ironically. Ironically, when it's really powerful, because we were losing to it at that point, but you managed to get your one victory against yep. it. But yeah, Challengers. I, it's, for me, it's another game that I'm very interested in playing a bit more. Yeah, it's... But I don't, I it don't is think very, there's super replayability. It's very it. light, but it is also that it's that deck building element of it that i quite like it's the balance of as you're building your deck from the three piles Mm. 
you can discard cards yeah. voluntarily as well. And it's that balance of, I want quite a few cards so that I don't deck out. But the more cards in my hands, the more I'm going to fill my bench up Yeah, quickly. Yeah, exactly. So you sort of, yeah, you, the perfect thing would be to have like lots of cards, but no more than six types yeah. of cards, because that's the size of the bench. So you can, you'll, you know, because when you discard one of the same type, if you've already got one on the bench, it just goes on top of it. Yeah. It doesn't take another slot. So if you've only got six types of cards in your, in your hand, in your deck, you'll never lose from that. Yeah. And but you, the odds that it's a random draw, so exactly. the odds of you yeah. being able to do that are slim. Yeah, I I managed to do it in the very first game that we played through luck, you know, no, nothing more. But I, I was not able to do that in the game last night, and I, I I did sort of I had to really sort of change my thing on the fly because I thought, well, maybe it's just as easy as it was last time, mm. and it just wasn't. So it was more last night. It was more. No, I'm going to read the card text. What what bonuses am I getting from these cards? Oh, this one gives me a bonus when it is knocked off, and it's a low number, so it's going to be knocked off really easily. But then it it boosts the next card that i have and if i can get a good number out on that and then i get that boost it makes it very difficult for yeah but it's a gamble because what that card might come out at the very end when it's useless exactly yeah exactly and and like i said there's a lot of luck in that game um so if, if if people don't like luck in the games probably not the best game for people to play that's the games we played this week. We just picked up a couple of them because I took the opportunity while you weren't here last James last week, James, to talk about Crocodile Imperium. Um, um, so we'll have to play that again now so that you can talk about it. <laughs> shame. Shame. Games we played this week. Yep, that's those done. James, do you remember what we played this time last year? No. Okay. Well, we've played it a few times since. Uh, it was Dice Forge. Oh. Uh, yeah. Could you believe it's been a year since we talked about Dice Forge? Oh, wow. I know. I know. As I said, we've played it a few times since, James. How? What are your feelings with Dice Forge now? I still enjoy it. Yeah? I really like that mechanic of building your dice. Yeah, the Lego dice. <laughs> I do. I, I've got to admit, I, I've, I, I have a soft spot for, for Dice Forge. It's a very light game. It's very quick. It's not really much to it. There's still an element of luck involved in the game, because obviously you've got to roll dice. But the building of the dice just adds that strategy to me. You know, do I build a dice that one die that's got super powerful stuff on it in one go and then start working on the other dice? Or do I try and add sides to both dice at the same time and all of that? That's that's why I like it. But more importantly for me, it still is one of those games. If I'm running intro games for new people it's another one of those games i just reach for yeah because it's that light and easy to understand but not light so it's it is almost the perfect intro game isn't it because it's light enough for a newbie to understand but it's eye-catching enough it's quite a it's quite a busy table yeah even though it's light so it's like oh what's that yeah, you you could try and make it a bit heavier for for someone who's a bit more. You know, I, I like heavier games, but it's enough to keep me interested. Mm. Whereas you know some of the other lightweight games you think of like Pandemic, base Pandemic. If you're playing that with someone new, it, it can get boring very quickly mm. for someone who's used to playing something a bit more. Whereas Dice Forge just has that little bit that it needs to capture yeah. a more established gamer's interest. Definitely agree. And like I said, you know, for, for a newbie, it's got that wow factor to it because yeah. it's got, like you said, you've got the nice tray with all the dice components. Mm-hmm. There's quite a bit on the table which draws interest. Yeah, 
exactly. Again, bright and colourful as well. Um, as we said in our episode about it, the same cannot be said for the box. <laughs> no, it's beige. It's very beige. Um, but, you know, made up for in the gameplay. Um, so that is the game we played last year. James, are you ready to go on to our main event? Yes. Good, because we're going to do that right now. Excellent. Okie dokie, guys. So today's main event is for our game highlight is Hijacked. Hijacked is a multi-mechanism, semi-cooperative game released by Greenest Games in 2023. The game is designed to be played by one to four players aged 14 and up with an estimated playtime of 20 minutes per player. And at the time of the recording, I have not found this for sale anywhere. However, I have been told this is coming to retail at some point. So that being said, I paid £36 pre-import tax and shipping when I pledged for this game on Kickstarter. In Hijack, players assume the role of negotiators attempting to secure the release of at least three passengers and one pilot before the impatient trigger-happy SWAT team storm the plane with little consideration for the consequences of their spray-and-pray approach. That is a rough idea of what the hell this game is about. But James, what comes in the box when you can eventually buy Hijacked? Okay, Jason. Contained within the box, you get one game board, eight hijacker tiles, four hijacker turn tokens, five metal objective tokens, three metal tokens, 64 passenger cards, one starting player card, 12 solo cards, four player aids, uh, a bunch of cubes and a bag. Coloured cubes, red and green. A whole fistful of dice. Yes. Uh, 26 demand tokens. One police team meeple. Uh, four communications discs. One star token. Four pilots. 12 passengers. Four scoring tokens. Four thumb tokens. Six bonus tiles. And six number tokens. One to six. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. So there's a fair bit in the box. There is a fair bit in it's the not, box. not overflowing, but there is a fair bit in the box. Now, before we go and talk about the components themselves, James, I just want to quickly touch on the rulebook, mm. um, because I keep forgetting to do this in our new format game highlight episodes, so my apologies for that, but I do want to touch on this rulebook because, first and foremost, this game comes with multiple language rulebooks. I obviously can only read the English one. I'll start by saying a, a little cursory glance online would lead you to a lot of forums asking lots and lots of questions with regards to rule clarifications and all that kind of stuff, which quite often leads to the idea of maybe the rule book isn't as good as it should be. And while a lot of those questions do stem from the solo rules, there are some that come from, from the main game as well. And, and I, I will say there is a clear thing to me that the game is not written in English. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, are the are the problems stemmed from quote unquote bad rule writing, or is it bad translation? Yeah, exactly. I, I think I think it's actually a combination of the two because when you actually read the rule books and you read it through thoroughly, you can tell the rule the rules are written with passion. Mm. But the problem I have with it is the rule book is brilliant providing you already know the game or you know the mechanisms or you know this you know that it's it's a rule book that's talking to you as if you already know 
Okay. Um, which is a problem that I've always highlighted, really, especially with Kickstarter games, because you'll go through that phase of designer designs the rules, comes up with the rules, puts them in a rule book. What you don't get that you would usually get with a, a full-blown publisher is you would then go through a development stage, which is where the rules tend to get refined. They take bits out that don't need to be there. They put bits in that do need to be there. Uh, the rule book usually gets the once, twice, maybe three times over. So you get a far more polished rule book in theory. Some publishers, let's, they're still quite bad. But in theory, that's the idea. And obviously, with a bigger publisher, you have much more openness to translating. So, you know, could we say that this is potentially a casualty of small publisher? I don't know if it's a first-time designer or whatever, but, you know, I, I you can tell it's not written in English. The translation's good, you, you can do it, but I do feel that when we sat down to learn this, James, we sort of sat and tried to read the rule book, and there were certain things that contradicted each other and, and what have you, and it was like, do you know what? Let's just try and find a video. Mm. We ended up watching a video. And I was like, oh, now it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but that could have been explained better. Uh, however, I, I've spoken to a few people from other countries, good friends, that speak the languages where this originally came from. It's a Polish game. And they did not find the same issues. So maybe it is because it's been translated from a, from a different language. So... If you are going to buy the game, the rulebook will get you through the game. There's, it's not that bad, but there are, there, there is room for improvements, and hopefully, fingers crossed, touch wood, all of that jazz. Hopefully, when this goes to retail, I'm guessing that'll be deemed as a second print run. Hopefully, that's something that they've adjusted and and fixed. So yeah, rulebook. I'm I'm going to give it a thumbs up, but it's not you know full blown thumbs up. It's probably a uh, uh, you know, two thirds of the way up. Yeah, I think uh, you know. I think also think it's worth mentioning that sometimes I think it is almost a good thing as well that we experience these things mm. because as English speakers, yeah, we're used to the world. You know, it's quite a universal. Uh, well, language. it's quite a, quite a bad thing, really, that the English speaking world is used to things being tailored around it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and you know, a lot of these things are written in base English and then translated into other languages. So this is a little window into what other language speakers have to deal with on a oh, regular 100%. basis. Yeah, when an English native written rule book is translated into other languages yeah. and it doesn't directly translate. I mean, you think about it, mate. Like so many of the the most, you know, the popular or even a vast majority of modern board games come from Germany. Mm. You know, they're kicked out of Germany all the time. And there's games that don't even make it into English or, mm. or Spanish or French or, or any other languages. They're just solely in German. But the, the thing is, a lot of those will come from the likes of Pegasus Spiel. So mm. they are a big company. They are able to spend a bit more money to ensure that these things are good in other languages as well. So, yeah, I agree with you. It's actually quite nice to to have a look through that letterbox and see what it's like on the other side. Yeah, because um, we're, we're so used to things being tailored to us yeah. that sometimes we don't appreciate that actually a lot of these board games when their rule books are written in native english and are translated like i said it might not read well for french german yeah you know whatever language it's being translated into because you can't in quite a lot of cases you can't one-to-one -one translate what they're what they're on about yeah exactly and it sounds a bit strange when it's translated into other languages so yeah it's like you said, a peek through the letterbox at what it's like 
for those for those people. Yeah, exactly. So it's nice to see that occasionally. Um, right. So let's talk about components, James. Um, where do we? I mean, where do we start with with the components here, James? I think the most for me, I'm going. I'm going. Sonic. We'll just jump straight in there. The most striking part of this game, James, is the artwork. Yeah. It's obviously the artwork of the Miko, very well known, and I, for me, didn't disappoint on this one because starting off with the art because the theme of this game is obviously hijacking a plane which is let's be honest controversial a bit controversial a little bit risque and i think they've done a good job in ensuring that this is for me not it screams that it's not set now yes you know this is a very futuristic looking board it's uh, the the easiest way to describe the entire theming of this game is cyberpunk. Yes, yeah. I mean the the bright colours, the you know the, the the dress sense on quite a lot of the characters in the game. Yeah, you know. I mean, how even the plane, the, the the cockpit view of the plane that we've got, it's a super pointy like nose cone on it. Yeah, which you don't usually see now nowadays. Let's be honest; they will tend to be a bit rounded. But yeah, it's it is very cyberpunk esque, isn't it? You've got you've got the police drone flying round mm. on the board there as well. I I like it. I yeah, I love the cyberpunk aspect to it. What about you? Yeah, uh, very much so. Yeah, yes. it's very poppy board, like you said, with those mm. neon blues and pinks. That yeah, are like almost trademark stamp yes. of the cyberpunk. Yeah, and the key thing though is because there's not a lot of 3D elements to this game. So, you know, we, we often talk about games where we go, oh, it's an eye drawer, it's an eye drawer. It's because things are popping up mm. on the table. This doesn't have that. So I think that the the bright colours, the cyberpunk aspect to it is the draw. You know, that, that's the eye-catching part, isn't it? To bring, bring your eyes to the table and say, oh, what's going on there? Well, we're in the middle of a hijack situation and, uh, yeah, the, these four nasty guys down the bottom of the board here, they're, they're our hijackers, we're trying to talk them down while also saving people on here before these idiots come in and kill everyone. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, artwork, absolutely love it. What about the other components, James? Is there any any that you like, dislike, anything like that? Um, I mean, they're all serviceable. You know, like the I like that you get the little meeples for both the SWAT team and the pilots and the passengers yes. that you're rescuing. Uh, the wooden cubes are gigantic wooden cubes. Yeah. They are big compared to big, normal... Yeah. Square cubes. Yeah, they're probably, what, 10 times the size, roughly, I'd say. Well, a centimetre. Centimetre cubes. Yeah. That's what they are. Green and red. We'll get uh, on to that in a bit. I drew three, I drew three green. That makes a change, James. That makes a change. But, okay, so you've got nothing that really stands out to you. Yeah, like in, the, in the, the artwork on the cards is, is, the, seller, is, is the seller. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I would agree the seller of this game 100% is the artwork. I do have a slight con. Oh, it's like gone. Uh, with the components, and it's the dice. Um, I I just feel like they were not up to the same standards as everything else in the game. They're very lightweight dice, lightweight wooden dice. They have painted on spots, so over time that's going to come off. They're not indented or anything like that. Um, so they are going to be something I'll upgrade. But it's it's two dice per player. It, it's it's not it's not the end of the world. They're, yep. they're serviceable. They work. Um, but longevity wise, yeah, they're, they're not the best. Um, I am, I've got to mention it, James. This game box comes with a box insert. Yeah, it comes with a box, and it's a good one at that, actually. I'm just, I'm just gonna get it down here. Look at that. Look at that, James. 
beautiful. Nothing too over the top. No. It's it's a standard art- cardboard box insert. But art printed. It is art printed, so it carries on the theme in the box. Uh, sectioned off nicely with little uh, little cardboard dividers. Holds everything in nicely, sort of, um, which is where the con, another con, comes in. Um, the box insert's lovely, and it, it works perfectly. The one issue is the, the game board itself, when it folds up, it doesn't fill the box. So there's a gap around the side of the board, which enables the board to move about. As such, the board has started to receive dings and dents in the corners, which is not great. Um, and it's it would have been an easy fix. It's make the board slightly bigger. Understand that would have been a, a little bit of a cost. However, you've paid money for a box insert. You could have easily had slightly higher bits on one side to hold the board in place. That's all it would have taken. And it's probably what I'm going to do is just stick on a couple of bits to, to hold the board in place. Um, the only downside is when you do that, there's certain bits of the insert that are open with tokens in it they will then be able to come out but you know i'm gonna give them a pass on that one because it's got a damn good insert in it it's a lovely insert i just think a little bit more thought could have gone into oh hang on a minute the board doesn't actually fit in the box it's it's too small uh, yeah it's i don't understand when it's like yes the board lies on top yes it's smaller all it would require is effectively an a4 piece of Thin card to go over the top to cover Pretty the much, inserts. Yeah. I mean, you can do it by putting the rule book in first. Yeah. Because that does cover it. Um, but yeah, it's, it, the main issue I have is not with the insert itself. It's it's with the fact that the board can move around. Yeah. And that's um, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like you said, you could use, you could put the rule book there, but as soon as you do that, one, the board's going to move on top and you can't modify it to keep, hold it in place. Two, it's then going to wreck the rule book while it, when it moves around. Exactly. Yeah. So li- little niggles, but you know we're good at little niggles. That's that's our thing. Damn it! Um, but yeah, I've I've got lots of respect because we've got that box in- insert in there. Let's talk about gameplay, James. The meat and veg of what we do as gamers. How do you feel about the gameplay on this one? Where <laughs> where do we start? Yeah, there's a lot going on <laughs> in this game. So many different mechanics. Yes, but what? There's lots of different me- mechanics and mechanisms in this game. However, it's all from it all stems from one mechanism, which is the dice placement, worker placement, if you will. Yes. So on your turn, you have two die, two die. So you roll your two die, and whatever faces you have showing on those dice, that's what you have for the turn, and that will determine what actions you can do on the board. Wow. I, like I said, I'm I'm not sure where to start. So I think if let's we go, go, let's go through things one by one. No, start at that end. Yes. Start at that end and go around. So, starting on my side of the board, we have... The Trust Tracker. The Trust Tracker, which is what you're going to be using on one of the other sections when negotiating with the hijackers. To do this, it requires two dice, one numbered one to three, and the other being numbered four to six. You place them down, you dip your hand into the bag of wonderment, as we call it. Yep. Uh, which I believe is just the trust bag, uh, which is actually quite a nice cloth bag. We didn't mention that. Yep. Uh, which is full of those cubes that we were talking about earlier, primarily green, but quite a few red as well. And you can do this up to three times, providing you don't draw a red cube. So I've dicked my hand in the bag. I've drawn one green cube. I've drawn two green cubes. And oh, look, I've drawn a red cube. 
I can't add that one to the trust track. However, the two green ones do get added, which means we're now at 20% trust. I've gained three points because I drew three cubes, but only two of them were added to the track. The red one goes back in the bag with the rest of them. That can go all the way up to 100%. First player to get it to 100% actually gains a five-point token, which can be stolen later, which, yeah, we don't really need to talk about that too much, but it's five points at the end of the game if you happen to hold it at the end of the game. And the trust is used for when you are, one, trying to save passengers, passengers. but also when you are negotiating with the, the hijackers and things like that. So that's one, that's one thing. And that's a push-your-luck mechanism, isn't it, Jack? Yes. Because you, you, can, you can only draw one if you want. Yeah, or you can draw two, or you can draw three. Exactly. But the second you draw a red cube, that's it. You can't draw any more. Red cube goes back in the bag, add your green ones to the thing, get as many points as you've, as you've done. The next one down, James. This is probably the most simple one of the game, isn't it? Yes. You assign one die, and depending on what die side it is, will tell you which... Okay, I'm going to say resource. Yes. But it's it's actually, in the game, it's named as a demand. It's a demand. It's money, food, medicine, or uh, wild. wild. Um, but next to those uh, icons for what you're selecting... If you remember in my intro, I said you got number tokens, number mm -hmm. one to six. In the setup, you would randomly assign four of those to those spaces next to them. Yep. So you could draw one, three, five, and six. Five and six. And they will be your dice roll, what you have to roll to get those, yeah. Yeah, exactly. those resources. Yeah. So pretty simple. Resources are at the end of the game, they're worth one point. They can be used for multiple things throughout the game, including changing die faces. Yes. They can be used to gain points throughout the game. More explanation on why you might want to do that in a little bit. Yep. Uh, and they are requirements for sometimes getting passengers. Correct. And that's that section. Yep. James, would you like to cover that section? Okay. Next, we have the communications section, I believe, is what it's yes, called. Yes, yes. Talk to the hijackers. Talk to the hijackers. Basically, that is you as a negotiator trying to convince them to leave the plane. Yes, indeed. And give up. Yep. They're quite different, though, because there's there's always four of them on show, isn't Yep. There? So there's always four of them on show, and you have tiles that go that go onto them, mm -hmm. your hijackers thing. So the first one requires... They all require two dice. The first one requires a one to three and a four to six. The second one requires a one, three, a five, or and a two, a four, a, or a six. The third one requires two in the range of one to three. Mm -hmm. And the last one requires two in the range of four to six. Yeah. And every time you negotiate with a with a hijacker, you it's a it's a point. Yeah. And each and each hijacker can be negotiated with, I believe it's four times. Four times. So you would place your dice on the chosen hijacker. Each one has bonuses if you convince them to leave the plane. Indeed, yeah. That you will get. And you get a little you get to put your little communications puck, I'll call yep. it, yep. Uh, on that hijacker, which means that none of the other players can then talk to that hijacker. Mm -hmm. And you get a little square token that you would twist. I think it's one, two, three and a lightning bolt. Yeah. Yeah. And it's basically once it gets back around to the lightning bolt. They've given up. And left They've the given plane. up and left the plane, and you get the bonuses. You do. So you claim that uh, that that hijacker, um, which can be points at the end of the game, and that, like I said, they all have their in their own individual things. Like I think the one that we deem as looking like Hellraiser. If I think he's, if you get him and you're the first to talk, to save someone from the plane, That's I a think pilot. Your first person to rescue a pilot, you get five points. Exactly, and uh, plus the three points for him, which yes. which is actually pretty good. That's quite powerful. Um, 
The other thing, though, James, is when you negotiate and one of these leaves the plane, you automatically lose 20% yes. of your trust because the other hijackers have become heightenedly aware of the fact that you've managed to talk one of them down. Yes. And they're now less trusting of you. Yep. So that's, that's that little section. Then you've got the big section in the middle, James, which will be covered in cards. Yes. Face down with pips on the back of the cards. Pips from one to six. Ironically, a dice face mm. has one to six. So they're placed face down. You can assign a die to one of those cards, matching the number of pips on the back of the card. Say, for example, I'm picking this one here, James, and it's got three pips on it. I assign my die of three to that one. I now get to flip that card. If it is a red card, that is a red customer. It is a Karen. Mm-hmm. They get very angry, and we immediately lose 10 trust, and they run off the plane. However, I get a point, because I've annoyed a Karen. Mm-hmm. So, win-win. Once that's been done, if, it, if it's not a Karen, you get to see what, what passenger it is. It could be uh, one of four different colors. It will tell you what their requirements are to save them. Yeah, it will have a trust that you have to have, a minimum trust you yep. have to have achieved, and a... Potentially a, de- a demand. A demand. Yes. If you've got the stuff... If you meet the criteria, you can choose to take that that uh, passenger and place it in your your hand or your 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 area, shall we say? If you don't have the stuff, you can you can leave it there for for someone else to come along and save, or you can go. Nah, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll kill that one, and you <laughs> discard it to gain a point. You also get to flip the two cards that are next to it. You do. So the two adjacent cards, you get to flip those. Now, if either of those are red, they just come off the board and get replaced face down with another card. Yeah. Uh, If they are not, they just sit there. And now we've got more passengers that we know are going on. Yes. But why would you want cards, Jason? Okay, so the cards, James, that is how you are going to save the people on the plane. If you have two cards of the same colour, you can cash them in to save... A passenger. If you have three of the same colour, you can cash them in to save a pilot. There are no limits on how many pilots or passengers you can save. However, the second someone acquires three passengers and a single pilot, that is the end of the game trigger. You finish the round and find out who's got the winner with the most points. That's why you would want those gems. Uh, There is a hand limit. There is a five-card ham limit, so you can't just store loads and loads of cards. But you can, even if you have two of the same color, you don't have to cash it in straight away. You can do that at any point on your turn or someone else's turn. Another reason you might want to do that in a minute. Mm. The la- Oh, no, there's two more things on this board, James. Two more sections. What's the next one? Uh, the next one is the police drone, which is very easy. It is a one to six requirement, and it gives you an extra dice for the next turn. Easy. Done. Dusted. That's it. That's, that's what it. it is. Yep. Gives you a while, you know, another dice for one turn. That's it. Then the final section of the board, James. Now, this is arguably the most important section on the board. And there's a reason we've left it till last. Indeed. And explained everything else on this board. Yes. So, we said, or I said at the start of this, that this is a semi-cooperative game. So far, we've talked about nothing other than gaining points to beat your opponent. And that's true. You want the most points at the end of the game. However... You won't get to figure out who the winner is if you all lose by the SWAT team storming the plane and killing everyone. So there is a way of pushing them back. Yes. So before we get to that, we should probably actually explain. Up by the aeroplane, mm-hmm. there is a track. Yep. Starts at 20, ends at a set of stairs. Yes. Depending on the amount of players, 
determines where the SWAT team starts. Indeed. Yes. So if there are two players, they start at position 15. Yep. As where the solo one starts as well. Yep. If there are three players, they start at position 10. Yep. If there are four players, they start at position 8. Yes. So the more players, the harder it is, the, the closer, closer they, they get to the plane. Yes. If they... It goes down to one, and then, like I said, there's a set of air stairs. If they touch the air stairs, game over. Yep. You lose. You lose as a unit. Yes. And every round, that is, that's your... It goes down one. It's that, a that, round tracker. That's your round tracker, yes. effectively. Yeah. But you are in control of that round tracker. Because, yes, it's going down by one every turn. However, the last thing you can do on this is to push them back. It costs you two dice, one of them being a one to three, the other being a four to six. However, this is where the game gets really difficult and arguably really interesting. Mm. Because you have to do this as a team. Only one person has to assign those dies. However, to do it, every player has to be on exactly the same points. You cannot do it if anyone, even if it's one point. Yep. One point more, one point less. You can't do it. So that's where a lot of those other things come in, James. Because as I said, with the resource tokens, the demand tokens, you can cash them in at any point. Just swap them in for a point. So if if three of you are on 15 points and I'm sitting here on 14 points, oh, hang on a minute, I've got a spare uh, resource token. We could really do with pushing them back because they've got to number four they're only four turns away i'll cash that in boom you've got the dice you can do it we're now going to push them back yes. there is there is an element of fun to this though mm. because say for example james you are the one that's bravely managed to talk the swat team down to pushing them back by two spaces yes you all get two points we all get two points for the privilege of just watching you do that yes it's great but you get something as well i do i get to put my thumbs up token on the track you do, which is end of game points. Which is end of game points. And you get a bonus square. Yes, indeed. So the more times you do this, the more end of game points you get. And the bonus square is one of, I believe, six different effects that you can cash in at some point. And they are quite powerful. Yes. So you don't, you're not gifting everyone two points. You, you're kind of gifting everyone two points in exchange for the fact that you're going to get a powerful effect that yes, you can use. But I, I like this as well because there is a mechanic design in giving everyone else two points because then next turn or next player's turn, you're all out of points sync again. Yeah. So you can't keep pushing them back. Exactly. Exactly. And, and this is the thing. It's, there's so much intricacy to this game i think is this is why i like it so much because it, it's that whole thing of it's a catch-up mechanism without being a catch-up mechanism it stops someone from just running i mean someone could run away with it if they really wanted to but they're never going to win the game no because i mean unless I mean, they unless they manage to save loads a, of people really quickly in a two-player game maybe one of you could trigger the end game before they get to the stairs 15, yeah, 15 steps turns. away yeah You'd have to, I mean, for me, because you'd have to, if you think about it, if you're, if you're, you've got to save three passengers, that's six cards. Yeah. And another three cards. So nine cards in total required to actually save the, the end game trigger. However, they all have to be the same color. Yeah. And that's not easy because you don't know what cards. If you got the, literally the perfect draw, say we were playing a two player game and James, you were revealing cards. And not claiming them, I could then go, oh, well, I need that colour. I need that colour. And I was just claiming them. It's possible. 
it's I'll be honest, I don't think it'd be a very fun game no. if, you, if you were rushing it like that. Um Yeah, but in theory, I think in a two player game you might be able to get to end game trigger before they storm it. Yeah. Three and four players, not hoping hell. No. You'd have to do it at least twice. Yeah. I mean when we first played this, James, it was just you and me and we didn't start wanting to push the the SWAT team back till they started getting to the, the seven and six. Yeah. So we'd already done nearly ten rounds before we even thought, oh hang on a minute, maybe we should do this. However, the last time we played, we played as a three three player three game. Three player game. And we felt the pressure on that a bit quicker. Oh yeah. Ten steps away. I mean, suddenly t- just looking at the board you're looking at it's quite intimidating that yeah. five step nudge forward it's like oh wow they're all they're at the nose of the plane jason already exactly yeah they're starting the game at the nose of the plane it's really difficult i mean we we haven't really played this at four player yet but i don't know if i want to because i think the reason i say i'm not sure i want to because this is one of the things i wasn't too keen on with with regards to the gameplay when we did the three player one we felt the need to just keep pushing them back. And it almost seemed like every round, all we were doing Mm. was, right, we're planning to push them back, planning to push them back, planning to push them back. I didn't feel like I was really playing a game Mm. so much Um, or or even playing the solitaire game that it ultimately is. You are playing a solitaire game that's slightly influenced by the the co-op aspect that we need to work together to keep the game going. I just felt like there was... I loved this game at two. Mm. I really liked this game at two because there was enough of both. There was enough pressure, but I was able to do stuff that enabled me to, you know, gain points or game gain end of game points because there are... Pretty much everything in this game can be cashed in for points at any point, which is good because yeah. it does help you balance out... I think it's stuff. also worth mentioning at this point, right above the um, trust tracker... Mm-hmm there is a variable setup which will give you your bonuses yeah. in the corner. Right. There. You get uh, medals, medals yeah. which you you will earn. I think they're things like, you know, have have 10 resources at once you get. Yeah, if you're the first person to do it, gain it's one, two or three points, basically. Yeah. And it, I think a lot of the time, I think people put too much stock in that. Yeah. Because one, two or three points, as we figured out, actually isn't that much in this game. Because the tracker that you're on goes up to 40, but in almost every game we've played, we've all been near on 50 to 60 Yeah, at the end of the game. So two, one, two, and three points just really doesn't feel like it's yeah. worth like, enough of my time and to do it. It's also worth mentioning as well, I really like the balance between having to be on the same points to push the SWAT team back and it giving you incentives of bonuses on your score track. Yeah. If you get to certain places, like if you get to point 21... You get extra dice. Yes. And it's sort of like, I really want these things, yeah, but I can't run ahead to get them because otherwise yeah. they're going to storm the plane but and we all lose. Again, the other thing is, though, you have to land on it. Yeah. You can't go past it and then claim it. It's like, no, you, you stop your turn yes. on, on that one if you want it. You know, because there's been occasions where I've been like, oh, I could gain five points here, but if I do that, I'm going to skip over a free blue resource and a, and, a, and a yellow resource if i do that oh that's quite you know damaging if i if i do that because it might stop me from getting two more passengers which james might then take and then cash in and then end the game and i'm sitting here with hardly any points it's 
there, there's a lot of thing. There is a thinkiness to it, but it's not super super thinky. Like it's not. I don't think the game's heavy enough to to cater for those that like medium to heavyweights. Because this is, in my opinion, I might be wrong, but this is at most light to medium. Yeah, you know, and I don't think we're near medium. So yeah, I think for me, that's the most interesting thing about this game. And I would say arguably one of the most unique things that I've, I find about this game is, is that whole mechanism of ensuring you're not going too far ahead. You're having to work together to keep your points at, at the same level. How did you find it at the different player levels that we have played at? Yeah, I, I mean, managing the board was a lot easier with the... With when it was just you and me playing yes. with the two players with Ant, like you said, it was like it became very apparent early on that we need to focus really yeah. hard on pushing them back. Yeah, but it is that decision of what you're going to do and trying to plan three or four turns ahead because not everything like gaining resources doesn't get you points. So if you're slightly ahead and you're looking to hang back while people catch it, oh, I can gain some resources. Yeah. Which can then be cashed in for points or later gain, if needed. I can gain that extra dice. That doesn't get me points. But on the turn where I'm then going to want to score points, hey, I've got three dice now. Yeah, exactly. And and this is the thing, because again, when you're doing the card reveals for the, the, the hostages, you don't gain points for revealing them. But if you decide you don't want it on the board mm. and you discard it, you, you gain a point. Yeah. So it's it's really hard to try and mitigate gaining points especially like it's so weird to i me. do like one thing we struggled with when we played with ant i don't know if you remember i think it was really early on we were flipping cards and they had like 80 oh, yeah, to 80, 80 to 90, 100 to yeah. percent and it's like right they're clogging the track up they need to go but i'm scoring too many points yeah clearing the track yeah exactly so there, there's so much going on really that it, it it definitely keeps my interest and I definitely really enjoy playing the game. However, I don't think it scales well with players. I'll be honest. I, I, I don't think it scales well. Three is the exact number where I would stop doing this. I don't think I'd want to play it at four. Um, ideally, I would only play this at two, which is very rare for me that I would say I, I really want to only play games at two. But you know, what can you do on that one? It's just how I feel this game is best played at. Certain things on the board, I don't particularly think the medal sides of things is all that great because mm. I don't think they're rewarding enough for me to really try and gun for them. If I get them, great. If I don't, I Yeah, don't really I think care. that's that. That's how I've always viewed them. It's like, if I hit them, cool, but I'm not actively yeah. trying I, to hit them. I, I would like to have maybe seen five, six, and seven points per you know for 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 each one rather than one two and three you know negotiating with the the host the with the um the hijackers it's one point a turn by doing it if you get them off the board it's four points but then it's the points that they get and they're really varied in what they'd some are really good some yeah, not so are a much. bit rubbish let's but be honest I, they're random draw that I, that's intentional design yeah so that you don't know what's coming out. Yeah, they're random draw, but if you, they're all in the game. Mm. There's only ever four on show, but if we if we manage to clear all four, another four would be on there. So that'd yeah. be all eight of them in the game. I'd like to maybe have seen a few extra of those. I'd like to have seen a bit more variety in the middle sides of things. I personally 
And I, I would really like to know your opinion on it, actually, James, because as we move into our final thoughts here, I think the game has replayability, but not a huge deal, you know, not a huge number of it. And I think some very cheap, very easy things could change that. You know, I'd like to, as I said, I would like to have seen a few more different hijackers, maybe a few different, um, I, I mean, all, all the passengers are different. They have different requirements and stuff like that, but maybe some that make things far worse. Like all the red ones that we deem as deemed as Karen, mm. it's just lose 10% trust. Yeah. You know, maybe something that was a bit more punishing. Maybe, I don't know, um, have some different player powers that might allow us to push the SWAT team back by four spaces if if James uses his power to do it. You know, that's his special power. He's better at talking to the SWAT team than he is the negotiators. My power would be I'm better at talking to the negotiators. So for every two dice I do over there, maybe I talk to them twice and get two points instead. You know, some individual player powers might well, have yeah, just I, added a bit I more. would like to say... I am a glutton for punishment. You saying about like there being powers, personal powers for you to do it. I'd like to have seen some of those red cards rather than reducing trust. Advancing the SWAT team. Yeah. Basically making them go forward. It's you know, The whole point of the red characters is they're... They're negative. Yeah. They, they're unruly passengers. You know, yeah. have a go heroes. They're, they're taking a pop at the SWAT team. So it's like they're advancing around the plane. If they hear a scuffle, they're going to speed up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, things like that, that would make it more interesting to me. Um, but one thing that I've been thinking about a lot more and more and more recently would be actually something that we've recently come into contact with with regards to Crocodile Imperium, which was the environment card, like maybe an environment card. Mm. You know, a card that's played for this game that says this effect is throughout the game. Maybe it be... SWAT team advances two spaces, you know, so it makes the game a bit more hard or, you know, it, it just gives you an overall effect that everyone is affected by. You know, the game is changed every time by playing a different scenario. That, to me, would be, you know, 10, 20 cards, which mm. they've printed anyway, just to give you that little bit of, a little bit of flavour if you want something a bit more than the base game. So maybe a small mini expansion at some point, could be something they could play around with if they wanted to. But James, your final thoughts on on the game? You like it? You dislike it? I, I like it. Like like we've mentioned here, I think there's um there's a little bit more that could have gone into it would be solved like like you've just said with a mini expansion. But on the whole, it's an enjoyable game. I have enjoyed both the games of it we've played. Yeah. <sighs> would you recommend it? Yes, I think yeah? I would. Okay. I don't think I agree with you. I don't think it will play well at four. No, no, I don't. I don't think it would. I, I would not recommend it for higher than three. I would recommend it for people to play. I find it hard to sort of say, you know, when it when it comes to retail, I'm I'm not sure what price it's going to have. Mm. Going on what I paid on Kickstarter of thirty was it thirty six, thirty seven, thirty eight pounds, whatever it was, I paid that. I think it is pretty good. I do think that's. That's good value. Hopefully, you'll get the same quality components that we have here. Um, I hope they've they they fixed the rule book and what have you. But it's a good game. It's not a game you're going to get a lot of play out of. I don't think. I think uh, a, if they released a mini expansion, I would buy it. If they released a full blown expansion, I'm not sure I'd want to invest more money into this game at this point. But 
I recommend playing it. I think I recommend buying it at that cost. If it's much more than that, I'm not sure. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, yeah. Maybe a few more plays of this in the coming, uh, well, I guess the coming years, James. We've got many years left in our life, hopefully. (laughs) Is it going to stay on my keep pile? I don't know. It is for now. I enjoy it enough. I like worker placement games. There's enough to this to keep me interested. I want to introduce this to my missus, see if she likes it. But uh, other than that, anything else you want to say about it, James? Uh, No, I think we've covered everything. Excellent stuff. That was an interesting chat. We've been talking for an hour and five minutes. It's time for us to go because if you haven't guessed from the noise of the fan in the background, it's swelteringly hot here in the UK. Mm. However... I know that that is a side effect of the hurricane that's hit Florida, which they've had it quite nastily over there. So I hope all of our Florida listeners are okay. I've been out there when I think I, I was out there with, uh, was it Katrina mm. that hit before? I, I can't remember. Yeah, it I, had a name. It had, Yeah, it had a name. Uh, it was a long time ago, but I was out there for that. And that was interesting and uh, an experience, but it's not an experience I particularly want to relive. So yeah. All our, our best thoughts are with all of the uh, the people yes. of Florida. Yes, that that was Jason's very butchered way of saying our thoughts and prayers are with you. Yes. <laughs> I'm not a religious person, though, James, so I can't say prayers. It's, it's not right. It's the sentiment that counts. Indeed, yes. But yes, our thoughts and prayers are indeed with you. So uh, take care of yourselves, guys. Till next week, I have been Jason. And I've been James. And you have been listening to the Meeple Minded Podcast. Join us next week for more tabletop gaming goodness. Ta-ta and goodbye. Bye.